February 26th, Mark chapter 8, verses 11 through 38. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came to argue with him. Testing him to see if he was from God, they demanded, Give us a miraculous sign from heaven to prove yourself. When he heard this, he sighed deeply and said, Why do you people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I assure you, I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back into the boat and left them, and he crossed to the other side of the lake. But the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any food, so there was only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. They decided he was saying this because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he said, Why are you so worried about having no food? Won't you ever learn or understand? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? What about the five thousand men I fed with five loaves of bread? How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the four thousand with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand even yet? he asked them. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch and heal the man. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then, spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said. I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands over the man's eyes again. As the man stared intently, his sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't go back into the village on your way home. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say, You are one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asked, Who do you say I am? Peter replied, You are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then Jesus began to tell them that he, the Son of Man, would suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the leaders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, and three days later he would rise again. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and told him he shouldn't say things like that. Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, and then said to Peter very sternly, Get away from me, Satan. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then he called his disciples and the crowds to come over and listen. If any of you wants to be my follower, he told them, you must put aside your selfish ambition 
shoulder your cross, and follow me. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? If a person is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of that person when I return in the glory of my Father with the holy angels. Hello, everyone. This is Mark Matthews, and I'm here to share a brief summary of my testimony with you all this morning. Uh, the first thing I want to share with you is that uh, all the glory be to God, and I just want to thank Jesus for delivering me from the depths of where I've been, uh, especially recently in my life, um, until I found the refuge. Um, I was fortunate enough to be born in 1968 to a set of parents that were awesome, still are awesome to this day. Uh, I was raised in a Christian family and um, brought up in the church, uh, church every Sunday from the time I was born until I left to go to college. And uh, But my life's been uh, a big roller coaster ride, I guess you could say, and um, went from uh, a great childhood, uh, being president of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as an athlete in high school and recruited to play sports um, in college and was able to uh, go to Miami and, and have a good career there in college and um, get married before my last football season. Um, however, uh, substance abuse um, already entered um, as a I was uh, <laughs> I was in Oxford, Ohio, and preparing to get married to um, a national beauty queen who actually asked me out to a Bible study date party um, for our first date, um, and uh, I only lasted I think two and a half hours at most with 110 football players in, in the saloon in Oxford, Ohio, and uh, that was my first red flag that I actually had a, an issue with uh, alcohol and uh, from there um, you know kind of teetered with it kind of tinkered with alcohol here and there but not much in my first marriage of eight and a half years and two sons I was blessed with um, however when uh, my wife and I got a disillusion that's when things really started to spiral at 27 um, really dived into the alcoholism, the uh, women, uh, living in sin type of stuff, and it just it just went down quick, and uh, then went back up again. I met my second wife, and uh, kind of got it together for a little bit, and uh, had two beautiful daughters with her, and uh, then we hit the rocks um, about 11 years later, and uh, but all throughout that marriage, um, alcoholism kept a hold of me. Um, I was functional and did very well career-wise. Um, was successful, had 
good moments back at the top of the roller coaster ride. But um, again, plunge deep, alcohol took me down again. And uh, this time, uh, got me into worse things, got me into some drugs, got me into uh, some more sinful type of, type of situations. And uh, so, my second marriage ended. And um, it wasn't too long after that, my third marriage, um, or the lady that I would end up marrying, um, uh, came into my life. And um, you can kind of see a trend here. In fact, uh, since I was the age of 15, I, I've never really been single. I've always been in a codependent relationship. And, and uh, that relationship also ended with alcohol um, taking its toll. And uh, she dropped me off at a rehab center in Indiana. Make a long story short, she rented a U-Haul and cleaned out my house. And uh, when I got back, uh, it was pretty empty, as my life was as well. Um, again, back up the hill I went, met my fourth wife, and uh, I kept putting things before God. And um, as you'll see here in, in as I wrap this up, everything that I put before God, um, I would lose and I would do it again. My, with my fourth wife, I uh, had to go to jail for a couple of days because I lost my job due to alcoholism and couldn't pay my child support up to date. So I spent a couple of days in jail and um, when I was able to get out, I made a phone call home, couldn't get a hold of my fourth wife who uh, I loved dearly. She was a great companion. She was 10 years sober from uh, crack addiction herself. And uh, we really had hit it off. However, um, due to her family being very wealthy, um, we would get money wired to us. So we really had no, no reason to worry about anything. So what did we do together? Well, we, we partied, we drank together. And while I was in jail for those two nights, um, she took a bunch of pills and drank uh, while I was gone because I guess she was upset. There was nine calls on her cell phone to the jailhouse that night. Couldn't reach me, obviously. And uh, when my oldest son picked me up from jail, um, we went to the house and uh, unfortunately he discovered her face down in the bathroom and um, she had passed away due to an overdose. So. Once again, God took everything that I put ahead of him. And uh, now I've lost my, my car, my home. Obviously my wife can't see my daughters. And uh, I just uh, hit such a rock bottom, I called my pastor. And uh, Pastor Garen said, you, you really want help? I said, yes, absolutely, I can't do this myself. It's, the disease is too powerful. And. Um, he led me to a gentleman named Greg Schaefer, who's an alumni here, I'm sure some of you will know, or at least know of. And he drove me to the refuge a few days later. And thank God that um, I made it here, and that I'm with all of you. And uh, I look forward to our journey together, and I just hope the best for all of you as well, um, as we trek forward to get closer to God. And um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. So. Thanks to all of you, and thanks be to God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I hope that all of us can uh, 
achieve what we're out to get and that's a new life and the ability to influence others and bring them to the Lord as well and out of the affliction of substance abuse. Thanks. Psalm 42, verses 1 through 11. For the choir director, a psalm of the descendants of Korah. As the deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and stand before Him? Day and night, I have only tears for food. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking, as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshippers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks. It was the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember your kindness. From Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas, as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. Through each day, the Lord pours His unfailing love upon me, and through each night, I sing his songs, praying to God, who gives me life. O God, my rock, I cry, why have you forsaken me? Why must I wander in darkness, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts pierce me like a fatal wound. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17 People who accept correction are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore it will lead others astray.